Welcome to Questions About Heaven, a podcast about giving Bible answers to our questions about the afterlife with God. Each week we seek to answer real-life questions with biblical answers about the life beyond this world. Now, here's your host, Brad Zockel. Good day to you. This is Brad Zockel, and I appreciate you coming along and joining me on the Questions About Heaven podcast. Boy, it has been some ride, hasn't it been? We have been uh, posting our podcasts for just about a year, and uh, it has been something as we have been able to look into the Scripture, see all these promises of heaven, going through Revelation uh, verse by verse. We're up to Revelation chapter 16. And that'll be for a future podcast, but for right now, I want to address something which has come up and has been a part of a lot of discussion here, and I wanted to share this with you. You know, when we take a look at people's perception of heaven, as I told you that there are uh, 37% of people who are not even believers, they're agnostics, atheists, they say they have no faith, and they still believe in the afterlife as if there's a heaven. And I find that just really stunning, but... When we think further, we look at this, a lot of them say that there is something negative about heaven as presented in Christianity. And I quoted this earlier when I was talking on a post that I put on one of the social media that I teach each day. And one of the uh, quotes that I gave was the quote from Isaac Asimov. Whenever I was younger, I just admired this man so greatly, Isaac Asimov. He was just somebody that was an amazing writer of science fiction. I believe there's a science fiction award given in his name. He's since left this life. I'm not sure of his eternal destination. Here's the reason why. He said this when he was talking about the afterlife, and he said he wouldn't prefer heaven at all. Quote, for whatever the tortures of hell, I think the boredom of heaven would be even worse. Now, I'm absolutely amazed at such a literate man, a man who did so much reading, was so incredibly biblically illiterate. I tell people this would be as if I walked into Microsoft, and as I walk into the lobby, I said, well, all you all do is you just make paper clips. And everybody would stop and turn around and wonder, why in the world would you make such a statement? Do you not know anything about what we do. I find the same shock when I see such an intelligent man make such a biblically illiterate statement. This shows me that Isaac Asimov, now I do understand, he did read the Bible. I don't know what he was thinking when he read it. He may have read it with such a jaundiced view to come out with this. Why would I say this? Because let me take time today, and if you have your notes, and especially those of you that are making your own personal Bible encyclopedia of heaven, I want you to go to B and put this down, board in heaven, and put a question mark, board in heaven. Let's take a look at the scripture and see what we can find in the Bible verses about heaven's walk, talk, activity, uh, adventures, whatever we have here. And let's take a couple of, uh, possibly maybe even another one of our podcasts and talk about this. I think I want to establish here, first of all, for someone to say that they would be bored in heaven would probably be the equivalent of somebody saying on New Year's night in Times Square, well, this is pretty boring. 
All it is is a lot of noise and people wearing weird hats. I really don't care. I, I just don't get this. What was your perspective when you walked in there? That's the same thing, all right? Having said this, John chapter 10 and verse 10, Jesus himself says, I'm come to bring the believer life and life more abundantly. Okay, now he's on the hook to carry through with his promise. I'm going to give you life overflowing. The word abundantly is parasos, and it really is talking about spilling over, such as in Psalm 23. My cup runs over. I'm going to give you a life that you can't even contain. Well, how does that happen? Well, it can't happen here on earth. You can't have more life than you possibly have. But in heaven, you can. But in heaven, you can. All right. So that, first of all, uh, gives us something. Now, let's go over to Psalm 16. Now, many times you think that I'll immediately go to Psalm 16, verse 11. Well, why not? I'll start there, and then I'll work around. It tells us there, the promise by the psalmist is, in your presence, Lord, is fullness of joy. Okay, once again, an overflowing feeling of complete delight. In your presence, Lord, is fullness of joy, not boredom. If you are full of something, you have no room for anything else. If you have filled joy, there's no room for boredom, okay? So we have another promise from the Lord. Then you also see, at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Well, that reminds me of Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 7, where it tells us that in the ages to come, according to his riches, God will bestow upon us kindnesses through Jesus Christ. Pleasures forevermore, eternal riches by God. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 7 ties right in with Psalm 1611. But now let's back up one verse in Psalm 16 as David says this, you will not let your faithful one see decay. No decay. What do you see when people start becoming senile? When there is something affecting their brain, when it starts to, would you say, decay? Is melancholy, boredom, sitting around. Well, the Bible tells us here. We tend to think that decay only means body-wise, flesh, muscular movement, but also there is no decay in the mind as well. You will be as sharp in heaven as you are now, even more so. Well, to say that you are going to be as sharp as you are uh, on earth is not is not even correct because you will have so much more capacity. Think about it. Revelation chapter 6, verses 9 through 11, the newest Christians walking into heaven immediately go to God the Father. They're asking him questions, and he's answering them. We are going to learn in heaven. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 10 tells us that in heaven, all things will be brought together under Christ. And the Hebrew idiom, uh, those of that day, mean, it says it means it, they will all be summed up under Christ. We will get answers, is what it intimates. We will start getting answers. We will be learning. We'll be learning uh, there. Would that be boring? Are you, are you serious? God himself, Jesus Christ being the triune God, he is giving us eternal. Wouldn't you like to go and get accurate answers, accurate answers, not biased answers, not uh, technically uh, a faulty answer, not glitchy answers that you would find on the internet or even false fake news, but go and get eternal answers on anything and have it explained in the way that you could grasp it. That is what is being said right here. We will be learning. Uh, it tells us in Revelation chapter 7, verses 15 through 17, the Lamb, Jesus, will be leading us it also intimates we'll be learning because you can't, uh, you can't be led if you don't wish to learn. Yeah, we won't be static in heaven, nor will we be automatically happy. We see that when those asking the Lord questions, they are very puzzled. There are differing emotions in heaven, and yet along with free will, 
the lack of curse. Revelation 22 and verse 3 tells us that. Do you think that boredom is a curse of mankind? I do. I absolutely do. Pleasures forevermore. That's eternal. We are going to live in the house of the Lord forever, his home. And I think that when you come to my house, I do everything I can in my home to keep you from being bored. You know, my wife, my family, well, they'll lay out a nice spread for you. We'll have wonderful foods. Uh, There's conversation. Uh, Perhaps we all will watch some movie on TV, and then there will be all kinds of uh, just, just fun events going on. We will do everything to be the perfect hosts as much as we can in our little farmhouse. Don't you think the Lord, as it's established very clearly in John chapter 14 and also 2 Corinthians chapter 5, that this is the Father's home? Is he say, well, okay, come on in and throw yourself over in a corner and leave me alone. It's just not going to happen. Talk about the Heavenly Father. We're going to have our individuality. Job chapter 19, verses 25 and 26. After my skin is destroyed, in my flesh, yet in my flesh, I shall see God. Not only is Job telling us that I'm going to have a resurrected body, body, just as Jesus had a resurrected body and displayed it in Luke chapter 24. We are going to have a resurrected body. We will, but listen to what else Job says. And I will see him with my own eyes and that not of another. No one else has my eyes. These are my eyes. I'm going to have my body. His prophetic utterance is amazing here. We will see God. As a matter of fact, Matthew chapter 5, we are told in the Sermon on the Mount that the pure in heart will see God, those believers as well. Nothing boring about sitting at the feet of the eternal Father in love that we've never been able to to, uh, grasp here. Think about this. Jeremiah chapter 24, verses 6 and 7. Here's what the Lord says. This is Yahweh. This is Jehovah saying this. I will give them a heart to know me that I am the Lord, and they shall be my people. And I will be their God, for they shall return to me with their whole heart. As the the decision is made, as the sinner repents, as the desire to find the Lord, not only is there celebration in heaven, nothing boring about a celebration, Luke 15, celebration over a sinner that repents, but it also says, you're going to have an understanding of the Lord. This bears in mind that quote from Augustine. You have made us for yourself, O Lord, And every heart is restless until it rests in you. There's no boredom in the satisfaction of seeing what we have been searching for and realizing it, and that's what we know. Every man, every woman, every child has an eternal itch. It's what says, Ecclesiastes 3.11 tells us this, that God has placed eternity in everyone's heart. So we have a desire We are in a search, a search for purpose. Why was I put here? And where am I going? What's my purpose here? We start seeing those. It's what the mathematician and the philosopher Blaise Pascal said in centuries back. Quote, there is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of each man, which cannot be satisfied by any created thing, but only by God the creator made known through Jesus Christ. That vacuum, which would include a melancholy, a depression, and indeed a boredom, is there anything else? I remember a very famous NFL quarterback, Terry Bradshaw. 
in winning that fourth Super Bowl, he gives the testimony of saying, I sat in that locker room and thought, I've been named MVP twice in a Super Bowl. I've been four times where some NFL players will never reach at all. Is this all there is? He literally said that. You can see on one of the social media he presents this. He says, is this all there is? And I am told that Terry Bradshaw came to Christ. He became a believer in the Lord. He just said, I had, I went to Great Depression. Is this all there is? He actually said in the locker room of the Super Bowl win, boredom was creeping in. He was looking for something beyond that. Think of Isaiah chapter 26 and verse 19. Your dead shall live. We're talking about life in heaven, exhibiting and enjoying it. As David said, you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, not in the depressive state of the of the, the back alleys of existence. I'm going to be in the forefront of blessing in you, Lord. Think about it. Celebrations in feasting, Revelation chapter 19 and verse 9 say that. Uh, Matthew chapter 8 and verse 11, we will be feasting, reclining at table. Isaiah 25 and verse 8, the Lord will lay out the menu himself. We are going to be enjoying different things such as side by side with angels, as it says in uh, Luke chapter, I'm sorry, Revelation chapter 19 and verse 10. Uh, Also, uh, we'll be enjoying animals. The prophecy of Isaiah 65, 25 in the eternal existence. Revelation 22 and 3, verse 3, there's no more curse. Don't you think that boredom is a curse? What's one of the worst punishments that can be put upon mankind short of execution? You're right, solitary confinement. Boredom creeping in. That's a curse, absolutely a curse. And yet we see this. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 19, one of the great joys and rejoicing I have, Paul says, is recognizing you, fellow Christian, in heaven. I've seen you on earth and we're here. We're friends, we're buddies, we're in the presence of Christ. We're in heaven together. It's a great rejoicing. We will recognize those believers that were friends here on earth and fellowship with them and enjoy them as well. We are going to be walking with God, Revelation 21 and verse 3. Just as Adam and Eve walked with him in the garden in the opening chapters of Genesis, we too. And what it says in Jeremiah 31 verses 33 and 34 is absolutely amazing. We're with the Father. We barely recognize him in all of the depths of what he... It says in Isaiah chapter 40 verse 28, his understanding is unsearchable. We think we have a grasp of the magnitude of him when we realize his majesty is so much more. But in heaven, Jeremiah 31, verses 33 and 34, there's a covenant, the Lord says. I'll put my law in their minds. I'll write it on their hearts. I will be their God. They will be my people. Listen to the possession, the family gathering here. There's uh, no more will every man have to teach his neighbor. They shall all know me from the least to the greatest that I am the Lord. Jeremiah 7, verse 23. Obey my voice and I will be your God and you will be my people. Wonderful. Jeremiah 32, verse 38. They shall be my people and I will be their God. We can hardly even grasp what all this means in all of these promises of a relationship with the Lord. And that's just the beginning when we see this. These promises of a body that it says in 1 Corinthians 15, 42 and 43, it was perishing, but now it's imperishable in the resurrection in heaven. We have an imperishable body. It was sown in dishonor. 
it is raised in glory. As it says in 1 John 3, 2, we shall be like Christ. We'll see him as he is. We'll be like him. Uh, it was sown in weakness. It's raised in power. That's your body. You're not going to be boring. Your friends aren't going to be boring. Jesus will not be boring. God will not be boring. The scenery that is described in Revelation 21 and 22 is not going to be boring. Where would we get this idea that heaven would be boring? It only tells me that someone who would make that claim, obviously, has not read the scripture. It is avalanching, overflowing with promises of all of those wonderful, wonderful things that we see here in an enjoyment of the excitement of heaven. Hope this helped you out. We'll talk some more about this in future uh, podcasts. Thank you so much. God bless you, friends. This is Brad Zock with The Heaven Tour. Listen, go over to our brand new website, theheaventour.com. T-H-E, theheaventour.com, C-O-M. And go on in there, and you can go to the heaven, the question and answer time, put in a keyword, and see all the videos that I've made on TikTok that will come up at one minute in length, answering different questions that you put into the box. Wonderful. Thank you. God bless you. And Lord willing, we'll talk soon. Thanks for joining us this week on Questions About Heaven with Brad Zockel of the Zulon International Bible Institute. Be sure to visit our website, zulon.org, to learn more about our Bible ministry. That's X-U-L-O-N.org. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if you simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too. And keep an eye out for our upcoming ebook, Questions About Heaven. Thanks, God bless you, and have a great day.